Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to founder of comics website Pipe Dream Comics and incredibly nice person Alex Thomas about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to thank everyone that has supported my most recent Kickstarter, Project Hoax. It's been a real whirlwind of a week, but as it stands, we're at about 80% funded already. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much. If you'd like to check it out on Kickstarter, follow the link www.signalcomics.com forward slash hoax, or just simply search for Project Hoax on Kickstarter. Also, last week, I was a guest on the Awesome Comics podcast. I had an absolute blast with the lads, where we spoke about my origin story into comics alongside my own creative process. Feel free to listen to that by searching for Awesome Comics podcast in your podcast app or by going to awesomecomics.podbean.com. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Alex Thomas. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm well, thanks, mate. Yourself? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, Alex, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I've uh, been wanting to to speak to you uh, at length about comics uh, for for a long time, ever since we we met uh, in person at uh, True Believers 2018. Yeah, well, I was going to say, last two years, so last year you were... Well, this year you were behind the table. Last year you were just wandering the wandering the aisles, chatting to people and getting getting to know everybody. Yeah, that's right. And it's uh, it's been an incredible year, kind of getting to know the comics community and um, kind of how kind of integral you are to to, to that as well. I, I think the community is the great thing, isn't it? It's like there's so many great people in there, and it's just everyone's so welcoming, and that's kind of what inspired me to kind of get involved and get more involved was just the more people that you met and the more interesting people that you met and how just how enjoyable and fun it was just to wander around and go to a convention and now the fact that yeah you can go to a convention and just chat to your friends and spend time catching up with everyone that's that's kind of what it's all about Oh, it's absolutely fantastic um and uh and for anybody that that doesn't know what you do in the uh, in the world of comics what do you do in the world of comics so um i'm the well i like to give myself the pretentious title of editor-in-chief of pipe dream comics <laughs> but really i'm kind of um so i started a website called pipe dream comics about five and a half six years ago now um we do indie comics small press uh reviews interviews uh articles things like that um as well as doing that, I published a small press fanzine called The Pull List, which was articles taken from the website and then put into kind of a print A5 fanzine format. So I did 10 issues of that and then sort of sold that at conventions and uh, and did things like that. And then I also put together the indie comics section for Comic Scene UK, the new uh, comics newsstand magazine, which is available now as well. So man with many hats yes many many hats um but uh it's uh it's a it's a great job that you do uh with pipe comics and, and everything else and um anybody that, that hasn't um come across pipe dream comics um a great place to start is your is your top 100 yeah list. that was that was kind of my my end of year labor of love is putting that together every it start, started off as kind of a top 25 evolved into a top 50 and this year expanded out to a top 100 so uh, glutton for punishment i think <laughs> for sure but it's all worth it because it's uh it's absolutely fantastic to to see the the amount of engagement that you get on twitter kind of through that and it kind of just helps kind of just give um people credit for kind of their work through the year and everything as yeah well. it's that thing i kind of always just assume that well because i kind of read loads of comics and you go to conventions and and everybody you assume everybody's kind of as into it as I am but actually when you put it together and a lot of time people have kind of either missed these books or you know they've never heard of this creator or they kind of they're just not quite caught up with things it's just kind of my way of bringing all of these disparate elements together and just kind of celebrate what's good really about indie comics there's so much sort of negativity about 
in comics and in the world that I just kind of try and try and celebrate what's good and encourage people to just try these great new books and and share share what are these really exciting and innovative and different and exciting and interesting titles and you don't have to just be sort of moaning about how marvel isn't how it used to be or dc stories aren't as good as you thought but actually there's all these great other titles out there um so why not give them a try and actually a lot of times they're as good if not better than than what's being produced in the mainstream that's awesome um and the uh, and the website that people can go to to check that out it's uh uh, pipe dream, at pipe dream comics on twitter and instagram um and generally just pipe dream comics all one word on pipe dream um you can kind of find me it's one of those names which i sort of just made up and hadn't realized until several years down the line that it was just a unique and kind of made up thing and so mm-hmm. if, if you find if you if you search for pipe dream all one word comics then you can normally try and find me online somewhere fantastic um well i've got just uh some breaking news coming i'm afraid um and there's actually been an alien invasion oh my god on earth so um what is your action plan um with with your alien invasion well so so this is where i'm curious so you took you, t- you told me that we were having an, an alien invasion but but what kind of aliens are they are we are we talking friendly little green men? Are we talking Mars attacks, akakak kind of mm-hmm. mischievous, maniacal ones, or are we talking sort of alien or Ridley Scott style acid blooded xenomorph type <laughs> aliens? I'm 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 going with with Mars attacks. However, they they don't sneak on in a in on a Trojan horse like they kind of do okay. in uh, in Mars attacks. They're yeah. they're out and out. Um, coming down, kind of like just War of the World style, actually. Flying um, saucers, that kind of thing. Coming down, and they're immediately trying to eviscerate people, basically. <laughs> okay, so because I, I was kind of hoping you said that, because I was kind of thinking about, well, well, how would I cope with this kind of scenario, and what would I do? And mm. at, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm not one of these kind of great, let's grab a baseball bat and a rucksack and go and survive in the woods kind of person. <laughs> um, thinking about it, I, I would probably be that guy in Mars Attacks who gets zapped within the first 30 seconds because oh, no. he's just trying to go and be nice to them yes. or trying to yeah. say, oh, why do we? Why can't we all just get along? And don't don't worry, they're friendly aliens, really, because, hey, look, it's, it's finally all of our science fiction stories have come true. Um, <laughs> and so actually I was kind of thinking about it objectively. In an alien apocalypse, I'd probably be a bit crap. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, you 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 reckon so? It, it just comes on the news, um, so you've kind of got some time to to get your stuff together and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, do you, do you think you'd, you try to go and hide anywhere? I think so. Well, I think I think I'd probably just hide upstairs in in my house. Really, I kind of the right. my other alternative is I'd probably just end up a bit like Hudson from from Aliens. It's just kind of okay. a gibbering a gibbering wreck of panic. Um, but yeah, I think I probably would. I'd I'd gather the family together, get together all of our stuff. Probably try and if 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 we're going for this kind of their malevolent destroying everything kind of mm. kind of ways. I live I live in Devon, so to be fair, we've probably got you know a couple of days before they even bother coming down to see us because everybody else does. Um, and, you know, so so I think we'd probably be all right. Um, just go up and, and live on the moor in a shack somewhere. Um, there you go. L- bathe in a river and live off gorse bushes or something. <laughs> nice. So you just head up to the moor. Excellent. Yeah. I was going to uh, say, I'm, I'm quite a country person at heart because I kind of grew up down in the West Country. So... So to be honest, I think, and to be honest, life down here is pretty much like that. It's kind of a bit living in a cotton wool bubble of pretending London and the rest of the world doesn't really exist down here. So I think I'd be well primed for that side of things. Excellent. Um, and uh, so uh, you've you've gathered the family. Um, you've headed to the moors. You've kind of set up camp, so to speak, as as, as well as you could. You found a shack. 
yeah. <laughs> as you just <laughs> mentioned. Um, and uh, you know, the kids have gone gone to sleep. Um, yeah. It's all nice and safe and sound. Um, and you and the wife are uh, like just huddled around a, a campfire, and you start kind of reminiscing about comics and things. And the, and the first question um, that that your wife asks is, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" Um, so I guess, I, like everybody, I kind of started with the Beano and things like that growing up. Um, I used to have that delivered on a Wednesday, and that was that was kind of my thing. I was I was always a Beano kid rather than a dandy mm. used to have the, the proper beano delivered and then would get the little sort of square kind of compendium books that you used to be able to buy right. and sort of collect those together and um then after that kind of moved on to i remember like one of my cousins used to get me into things like top uh, oink and and things like that that were a bit more bit more edgy um and then after that i guess it was kind of you start the slippery slope and it was Marvel UK kind of reprinty type things. I still got a copy of um, a sort of collected version of Secret Wars. I never bought the first one. I only ever had issue two and that was the only issue I had. Um, but it had an Alpha Flight story in the back and it was the large A4 format ones. Wow. Um, and I remember kind of getting sort of some of the reprints like that and Star Wars comics and Transformers. Um, and then I suppose after that... Um, it was just Marvel reprints and the things that we used to be able to find in newsagents. Um, I can remember getting there's like a Marvel Tales reprint of old Spider-Man comics, which had a Punisher Doc Ock on the covers and things like that. Um, and then as I kind of got a bit into sort of older, about 11, 12, um, our newsagents where I grew up used to be able to, you know, buy comics in Smiths. It's, it's, it seems like a crazy old-fashioned world now that you could buy comics in Smiths. <laughs> yeah. uh, and actual comics, not just like, you know, comics with toys on the front. Yeah. Um, and I started buying... The first ones I can actively remember buying are uh, Fantastic Four and then Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and I was lucky enough to get into reading Amazing Spider-Man in the early sort of 300s when Tom McFarlane was king... Right, yeah. Venom, um, and all that kind of era. And then I just, yeah, was a Todd McFarlane obsessive for many years. And then Eric Larson and, yeah, it was that kind of run of Amazing Spider-Man. That was kind of really what got me into comics properly. And then from there, it was kind of early days of Image and, and, and stuff like that. And so I, I was I was right there at the collector boom of the, of the sort of oh, brilliant so you got all your issue ones uh, yeah i've got a lot <laughs> yeah. of issue ones a lot of rob liefeld covers brilliant um i've got a lot of hologram covers oh great uh, <laughs> i've had most of maximum carnage and clone saga and things like that just filling up long boxes and um yeah right for kindling and things like that so. <laughs> brilliant um were, were there any kind of specific uh, stories kind of from the from the Marvel reprints that kind of you know jump out at you. Um, I can say I think it was just discovering that that kind of what I always think of as the classics of seventies and eighties Spider Man stuff. I guess it was mm. yeah because uh, because I I still even now I always love a kind of like villain of the week kind of Spider Man story and mm. um, that's what I love about the last film in that it kind of goes back to that. It's all self-contained. It's not too big a grand scheme. It's just you've got the vulture as a good villain who just wants to rob people. Um, and so I kind of always really like that. And I think when I was growing up, it was still I've, – I've kind of moved away from Spidey these days just because the storylines are so convoluted and the plots are so involved that I just I just miss that you know crazy villain and crazy caper of the week kind of, kind of thing that you get. And that you could dip into an issue – and then you wouldn't, because if you were getting the reprints, then the next issue wouldn't be the next sequential issue. It could be like a 10-year-later one, yeah. or it could be something completely disconnected. So you just kind of dip in and dip out that way. Brilliant. Um, and so uh, the the next question that pops up is, uh, what's the funniest or comic that made you laugh out loud the most? Um, well, I, was, I, had, I gave a lot of thought to this, and I was originally mm. going to say um, there's a book called Dungeon Fun um, by uh, Colin Bell and Neil Slorrent, which um, I discovered recently. There, it's about to be re-released by um, 
BHP Comics this year. Um, that's a really great sort of indie small press um, kind of book. It's it's a kind of fantasy spoof mixed with a sort of a bit of adventure time. Um, it's very silly, very smart, very witty. And then I suddenly remembered that the book that genuinely makes me laugh out loud is called Boxes and is by a guy called Todd Oliver. Um, and I, lo- I love Todd's work. Todd is, is a mad and crazy genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his stuff is kind of like... It's sort of a bit garbage pale kids from the 80s with a bit of sort of Mike Judge, Beavis and Butthead kind of stuff in there. It's quite rude. There's lots of jokes about poo and bogeys <laughs> and things like that. And it kind of appeals to my sort of inner 12-year-old. Um, but it's also very surreal and very dark and very strange. And his style is really, he kind of really likes playing with the idea of how stories are kind of told and so that he uses a lot of sort of cyclical things so stories will start one way and they'll go off really weird but then they'll somehow come back to their start point again um there's one really great story about a guy who gets stood up on a date um and the story goes in a full circle and it turns out the lady is actually sat on a bench on the guy's head oh gosh Um, and it's 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 very weird um And then you meet him, and he is the nicest, mildest, most lovely man in the world. And he creates these strange and bizarre and absolutely crazy um, books. And (laughs) as I say, it just absolutely hits my kind of strange, odd sense of humor absolutely perfectly. So um, (laughs) it would would have to be that. So Boxes by uh, Todd Oliver. Yeah, or anything by Todd Oliver, really. He did a book called Not Your Cup of Tea. And uh, he's got this book called Smedley, which is about, I have to get it right, it's about a worm-shaped man, not a man shaped like a worm. <laughs> and he gets up into all these kind of like weird situations. And, I have um, seen that one. Like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's pretty it's, wild. It's worth checking out, yeah. It's awesome. Great. Uh, but it's difficult. Humor books are always so subjective and it's kind of, mm. I don't know, you, you, the, it kind of boxes gives me this kind of wry smile as much as kind of like a real a belly laugh but but that's kind of the humor i kind of like in comics i think fantastic um and so the next question that comes up is uh what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read oh so this was a tough one so yeah i was thinking about it and my first instinct was actually to say um saga um by brian k vaughan and Mm. um Mostly, yeah. yeah, Fiona Staples. Mostly just because of the last issue. So I was reading Saga from from the beginning. I'd never read things like Why the Last Man or Runaways or any other Brian K. Vaughan stuff. But I picked up Saga just because it was getting a bit of a buzz. And I started. I, I picked it up from issue one, um, and it's kind of just hit, you know, early fifties, and Vaughan's taken a bit of a break for a year. But I didn't know this was happening. And so the last issue goes completely Game of Thrones. Yep. <laughs> and he kills off two major characters and you just don't see it coming. And, you know, I've invested five, six years of my life in this story now mm-hmm. and it completely pulled the rug out from under me and completely knocked me physics because I just wasn't expecting it at all. Yep. Um, and these char- and it's because it's, I think, because the story in Saga, it's all about family and parenthood and sort of star-crossed lovers, kind of Romeo and Juliet, but in space and a lot of the time it gets all the attention for being this outrageous and outlandish and very rude and very sexual and very mature themes. But actually at its heart, it's just, it's a love story. It's an unconventional love story about a a man, a woman and their daughter. Mm. Um, And I suppose as someone who's got a young family, it kind of just that side of things really resonates. And so I've got really attached to the characters over the years. And then to have this kind of, major incidents happen in the last issue was just like wow so that's yeah really knocked me for six um and then i was thinking about i was having a look through my bookshelf for for a couple of the other ones and i found another book on there which um actually is probably the book which made me the saddest in terms of Mm. you know um melancholy saddest and it's a book called wrinkles by a guy called paco rocker right um, and I got sent it a couple of years ago. I think it was a, a knockabout book or a turnaround or one of those guys. And um, it's all about um, 
an old man who gets put into a nursing home by his family because he's got Alzheimer's um, and he gets put in this room and it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a Spanish American story. And um, he gets put into this room with this other um, resident in the nursing home. And it kind of has that sort of college classmate, you know, that, you know, college thing where they, they always get put in with their roommate and, mm. you know, crazy things happen from there. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy who gets put in with, he's, he's a compulsive liar and a, a bit of a thief, but he's really charming. Right. And he kind of takes advantage of the, of the fact that the character's got Alzheimer's and is losing his memory and things like that. But they create this really sweet and unlikely friendship and they kind of get up all, all these antics and things like that. And then by the time, and you think that this guy is trying to screw over his new roommate and take advantage of him. But actually, really, it's just his way of trying to be friends. Right. Um, and you get to an end where the Alzheimer's suddenly kicks in and the way um, Paco chooses, uses um, that to kind of tell the story and like bits of the pages start to disappear and the memories start to go and things like that. And he starts oh, wow. living his fantasy world. Um, it just, and it just really hits you. And it's, I think my, my dad was in a nursing home at the time. So it just really hit home on a kind of quite deep yeah, emotional level. And it kind of really touched a nerve. So, um, yeah, it's a really, really beautiful and really, really poignant story. And, uh, so I think that would probably be the saddest. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite impactful when, um, when you read a comic and it's kind of reflecting a situation, um, that you're experiencing yeah. at the time as well. Um, yeah, that's, uh... cause that's the great thing about comics is they cover so many different, um, genres and subjects and things like that. But every now and again, yeah, they, if you get that sort of, even if it's not kind of a slice of life that exactly mirrors your life, it's just, mm. there's a certain something that it kind of, it can resonate with you. It can resonate with you in a really deep way that you might not necessarily expect it to. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, changing emotions a little bit. The next, uh, next question that comes up is what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read? Um, so this is the one I actually find most difficult cause I'm, I'm not yeah. the biggest fan of a horror comic. Um, or I just, cause I kind of just, they're, they're difficult to get right. And I'm not a big fan of blood and guts and gore. And, you know, I just, I tend to find a lot of those books kind of quite sensationalist. Um, mm. so thinking about it, my pick, I'm going to go for, um, Mandy, the monster hunter, the legend of the spindly man by, um, right. hellbound media. Um, the Hellbound guys are the classic example of they, on one side, they produce these really kind of gory, nasty horror books, which just aren't for me. But then they also make Mandy the Monster Hunter, who is yeah. this um, ass kicking female uh, monster hunter character. And it's got this amazing central premise, which is that um, kids can draw pictures of the monsters that scare them. And then they go to Mandy and she comes and combats them. Um, and it's just a really smart device. And they mix up which different artists that they have on the series. Um, mm. And so they can tell slightly different stories and how they do it. Um, and The Legend of Spindly Man, they use um, Lyndon White, who has this amazing angular kind of painted style. Um, and he's created this villain, the Spindly Man. He's this kind of, um, he's kind of a mixture of that slender man you know, um, leechy kind of villain that you get in sort of from X-Files and things like that. <laughs> but he's got a, a top hat on, so he's kind of a sort of Tim Burton's um, circus kind of villain. And it's a bit sort of, have you ever seen Babadook? Babadook, that, no. Yeah, that's kind of, again, it's kind of sinister, like, character who lives in the shadows. And the right. villain there, he's, the monsters are scared of him because he's this terrifying force and he's kidnapping kids and... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's almost got a little bit of a slightly um, of the the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that kind of, <laughs> right? You know, really yeah, that's, that's sinister, <laughs> sinister predatory character. Um, and for me, it's that that works so well, and that you've got this this character who is quite unsettling and quite creepy and brilliantly rendered. Um, but it's in this kind of kids' adventure book, so it's so it's it's that nice contrast between the light, light and the dark. I think so that works really well for me fantastic yeah it's a great book mm -hmm. um and then linden's art's just 
in, incredible and kind of perfect. Yeah, it works really it well for the story. Makes it really, um, just it creates atmosphere. Yeah, and it's different as well. It? Like so many horror books you read, they mm. just rely on, as I say, a lot of red splats and gore and sensationalism and things like that. And you just think, ugh, come on, can you not try and just tell a decent story or try and try and come up with something unique or different? Um, and yeah, Mandy does that just 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 right. And it's a really great book as a result. Fantastic. Um, and uh, starting to kind of. Uh, move away from kind of emotions in that way a little bit uh, the next question that comes up uh, is what's the most meaningful comic to you um well so so i kind of there were, there were a couple that came to mind and it's kind of i suppose different for different reasons um first of all it was um ultimates right. and also powers so i think in the early 2000s i drifted away from comics and and hadn't read read them for ages it was as i say it's the fallout from that kind of 90s collector boom right plus combined with me growing up and going away to uni and not having enough money to go and buy comics and things but ultimates and powers both drawn drew me back in um and i i don't genuinely don't think i'd still be reading comics if i hadn't read them so i can't really in terms of meaningfulness, in terms of where I've got to now, in terms of writing about comics and, and the love of comics, I, I, I wouldn't even be here, I don't think, if it wasn't for those books. So um, Ultimates is just, you know, it's comic book perfection. It's just, um, I love Mark Miller's work. I'm, yeah. I'm an unashamed Mark Miller apologist. I don't think he's perfect, but sure. I, I absolutely love what he does. He tries stuff, though. <laughs> you know, he does. He tries he different an, stuff. He has an amazing hit rate, and um, not all of his books work, but he's prepared to admit that. He's, he's, he's okay with that, and some of them work and some of them don't. And mm. You can normally then see where it's going on to for the next one. And again, he's one of these people, he has a voice. You know, There are very few mainstream comics writers who you could read a blank script and, and tell who, who wrote that book, but yeah. he has a style and he has a, you know, a uniqueness about it. And Brian Hitch's work is just incredible so you know there's there's no one who can draw better rubble in the world than brian hitch um and then powers is kind of the same so um you know i i picked that up because i read about it being so ultimates was recommended to me by the guy who used to run my local comic shop and he just said you have to read this this is just the best thing in the world um and then powers i just picked up because i read a like a list of best graphic novels in a copy of a you know magazine or something and powers oh that sounds cool you know uh, superheroes and superhero cops or cops investigating superheroes you know it's crime mm-hmm. procedural and you know an ex-superhero who's lost his powers turned into a police officer and starts investigating murders and stuff like that oh, this is brilliant and then yeah it's again it's just one of these books that's um it's it's not for kids it's so intelligent it's so well written it's so well conceived the artwork is just amazing from michael oming and um and then it just goes off on tangents and it goes absolutely mental and weird but then it comes back to just being a simple whodunit and crime and, and so i love crime stories and and so yeah so so powers is is is, is another one it's one of those books which just yeah really resonated and helped me i suppose helped open that world of more mature comics um that aren't superheroes stories beyond that yeah exactly and without you know getting into the whole oh i only read graphic novels kind of you know pretentious world of which is you know very easy to hit to when you kind of hit that age group and um and then i guess after that um in terms of sort of meaningfulness for me now as well um is a book called uh, Captain Stone is Missing, um, and it's written by written and drawn by Liam Sharp, who's currently doing Green Lantern with Grant Morrison. Great. Uh, so this was a book that when I started Pipe Dream, um, I started doing it all about digital comics. Um, I, 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 I started the site the same year the iPad came out. Um, loads of exciting new apps and people using the iPads for all these strange and different and exciting ways of making comics. And, and Liam was one of them and he'd set up this new company called made fire. Um, we're creating these crazy weird interactive comics, which used animation and, 
but then his his artwork was all painted with acrylics and and oils and you could literally see the brush strokes in the page but then you'd have these animating pages um which were just you know avant-garde and bizarre but also with these huge like muscular crazy style that liam has from you know when he was doing death's head and um hulk and things like that um and so early on i was lucky enough to interview liam about it all and talk to him about it um and when i started going back to when you mentioned about the pipe dream 100 i started off just doing a digital comic of the year award first year and i just picked you know picked 10 cool digital comics and got people to vote and the first year that won was captain stone is missing um and what was really meaningful was that liam actually campaigned for it to win and he was t- tweeting about it and he was, you know putting it on facebook and things like that and you know at this point this was you know liam sharp ex marvel uk guy he was but he was still quite a big wow. deal and so yeah. to get that was 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 really exciting so when they won they then on the cover of the next issue which he did i think he only did about six and it took him about six months to do each one mm. um there was winner pipe dream comics digital comic of the year wow brilliant and when what made that even more exciting was the fact that the cover of that issue had been done by bill sinkovich who was liam's hero so there's me with my little website mm-hmm. on a Liam Sharp book with a Bill Sinkovich cover. And I was just like, I've, I've arrived. I've made it here. This That's is amazing. this is not going to get any better than that. And now, obviously, you know, Liam's gone on to back up back to bigger and greater things with Wonder Woman and Green Lantern and stuff. But, um, yeah, that little book, that was kind of my first real brush with a big name comic creator who is properly engaging with the site rather than just using it as a way to sell their latest book or, you know, get some extra hits on Twitter. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that one probably in terms of the site and where things have gone now is probably, probably the most meaningful and the most sort of fanboyish one as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky (laughs) enough. I've I've interviewed Mark Miller, um, but I could never, I I, I, I decided to keep myself professional when I did, because I was just like, I can't fanboy out at this. I've got to keep this serious because, you know, otherwise I'm never going to be able to do this again. Um, I'm going to turn it into a 10 year old boy. Exactly. This is the best book ever. You changed my life. (laughs) Click, hang up. Um, And I'd never be able to, yeah. Live that down now, but that's exactly. amazing. That's so, yeah. so cool um, to have that story and um, kind of the the genesis of uh, of Pipe Dream Comics. It's uh, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, because it has evolved over the years. As I say, it kind of from that, it kind of then just evolved into doing more small press and more indie stuff. And then mm. I kind of left the, the digital stuff kind of stagnated. And I kind of just, and what we were saying earlier, it's about community, really. And just the community of the indie comics and the UK small press scene was what made me want to cover that more. Because I was getting more more interaction and more hits and more tweets and more meaningful dialogue with people by reviewing, you know, a book which I picked up at True Believers than I did, you know, interviewing a big name from Marvel or DC. Yeah. It's incredible, really, isn't it? Because um, I've I've been bowled over by the amount of support that kind of um, that my uh, comics get, like Milford Green. I'm in the Beyond Milford Green, um, which is uh, currently running, but won't when this airs. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it's just amazing um, how supportive people are um, and uh, how welcoming uh, people are at, at cons. And everything so. I think it's it's that thing that people like to reward quality, and you know if you're if you if you're making a good book and are are, are being a decent person and and engaging with everybody and are joining in the group and you know you know contributing towards the scene, then everybody should get on board and support support you and and help help everybody push through because everybody was in that stage once upon a time when they were trying to to get through and i'm sure everybody's got a story of somebody else who would have helped you know put an arm around them and you know talk them up or said nice things to them or encouraged them and you know i know i know there are guys who who i have who always kind of if they if i if i bump into them i'm a, I'm a low ebb because the site's not doing well or i'm struggling and they'll kind of talk me up and things like that and i know i've had that in the past so i think it's just about everyone passing that forward and you know it's it's not the kind of bitchy cutthroat world 
that people maybe sometimes worry that it is, but yeah. it's actually, yeah, everyone's quite cool and everyone just wants everybody else to succeed and do well because, yeah, because we all love comics and so we want more good comics to read. And so, exactly. you know, there's no point, you know, start being negative about things and complaining about this and bitching and moaning about how things aren't how you want them to be. Um, yeah, it's just, just get on, make good comics for people who, and people will appreciate them and enjoy them. That's awesome. Um, and so, uh, talk about, um, support of, uh, of things. Uh, the, the next question that comes up is, uh, what's the most underrated comic you've read? So I really struggled with this one. Cause again, it's yeah. kind of, I was trying to think what, what do I mean by underrated? And <clears throat> I guess it, really in the kind of in my little little bubble of of comics all the stuff that i write about by me is rated and i regard that as good stuff so it's kind of mm. <clears throat> excuse me i don't really feel like there's kind of i could i could put a finger on something because i was thinking oh well you know this is i'm, I'm going on this podcast is alex thomas the indie comics writer oh he's got to come mm-hmm. up with something cool and obscure and different and weird mm-hmm. and, and and i was racking my brains i just i just couldn't couldn't think of what that what that book would be because to me there's so many of them you know um you could basically pick any any book from the pipe dream top 50 or top 100 and those are underrated to some people um mm. because they might not have heard of it or might not discover it um and I would recommend that you do go and have a look at our indie comic of the year. Have a look at the top ten. You know, there's books like you know Red Rocket Comet and Wolf, <laughs> and um, uh, God, I can't even remember what's in my away, <laughs> away yeah. which yeah. is incredible, yes. um, and all of these great books. And then, but actually, really, I suppose in my my, my mindset, they've they've kind of now been rated and appreciated because mm. they're in my top ten and um, and things like that. But I think I ultimately settled on what what is the kind of Indian small press indie book that I give to people who aren't necessarily comic fans, who is probably underrated in terms of mainstream comics, mm-hmm. and that's the Porcelain yeah. Trilogy. Great. In my book, this is one of the greatest comics I've ever read. This is this this is you know big two level book or, or it's an image book mm. but it's been self-published by by ben reed and chris wild goose and the improper books guys um and it's not underrated in my world and a lot of other you know indie indie comics journalists or bloggers or whatever because it's amazing but if you're not in that bubble you won't have heard of porcelain yeah. but you should have heard of porcelain like porcelain is that book that if it had been released by a larger company would be a Netflix series. It would be mm-hmm. it would be a movie. It would be a, a TV series. You know, it's got that kind of it's got that Neil Gaiman scale and ambition. Yeah. Um, it's got artwork which is just you know incredible, so detailed, so beautiful. Um, you know, it's got that kind of Frank quite the Jeff Darrow level of detail in the pages. Um, it's got this kind of European sensibility about the storytelling and it's just got this bold and ambitious um, story of this sort of young girl who starts off breaking into a house and meets this strange man who makes these porcelain robots um, and she then kind of creates this family around them and then she grows up and she becomes a mother and she becomes, you know, she's responsible for these kind of this world that she's created. But she she's also being attacked from the outside by people who want to take over and, and militarize these these automatons um, while also kind of battling with her own family inside and her own conflict about trying to be a better person, about falling in love, about having a family. Um and it's just epic and brilliant and wonderful. And 
it's it's just that high watermark of if people say, oh, well, you know, oh, I don't like Marvel and DC or Image anymore. They're all just boring and they're all just samey. It's just like, well, this is what you can do outside of this publishing. This is what, if you have talent and you have ability and you're willing to put your heart and soul into a book, this is what you can produce. And this is what everybody should be aspiring to produce. And, yeah, the Porcelain Trilogy is just, it's, uh, yeah, it's something else. Fantastic. Um, and so uh, moving from uh, the, the most underrated comic to, for you, what's the best comic of all time? So, again, I was, try- I was trying to wrap my brains and just thinking, what, what do I quantify as being a perfect comic? And yeah. I was thinking about this, oh, well, do I kind of pick? Well, so I suppose growing up, it would have been the Eric Larson run on Spider-Man and things like that. And these are books that I just uh, poured over and read. And I still know panel by panel exactly what what is in things or should i and i was trying to overthink it and think well should i just pick a you know a mainstream book like uncanny x-men or amazing spider-man or fantastic four because you know they're they're pretty good that you know jack kirby guy and stanley yeah, they, they, they sort of know roughly what they're doing <laughs> excuse me and then it kind of hit me well in terms of books that i actually read now apart from the indie stuff that i review on the site there aren't very many. There was Saga until a, a while ago. Mm-hmm. But the one book which I avidly read and I have my digital subscription for and I read it the day that I get my Comixology notification that there's a new issue. Brilliant. And that is Giant Days by John Allison. Yeah. Um, which is just, it's just perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, the more I thought about it, yes, that, that, is, that is the correct description for Giant Days. Um, so Giant Days is about these uh, three students who get put together in a house. Um, John created it because he was he he did these other sort of web comics, one called um, Bad Machinery, um, and one called Scary Go Round. And he kind of was taking a break from that, and he decided to write this weird student story. And it kind of started off as this sort of almost Scott Pilgrimy student weird book about three misfits who end up. Um, in, a, in a house share together in university. And it was all very strange and very off the wall. And only did three issues about it. But then it gets picked up by Boom. And in doing that, he because he's then turned it into a monthly book, he's had to broaden the characters out a bit. He's had to knock a few of the quirks out of them, but without taking away what is their personality and create a supporting cast. And what he's done in the end, and because he's not drawing it anymore, he's got um, he's got artists in. Um, he's created this kind of sitcom book, and it's only when you're about twenty issues in that you realise, oh yeah, it is it's a sitcom, isn't it? Because it's got an arc, the stories have got direction and and things like that. But actually, each each issue is self-contained. Brilliant. And you could pick one story up, you know exactly what's going on. There'll be some kind of weird. So it's, it's the the three girls. There's um, Daisy, who's this kind of uh, nerdy, um, bookish student who was homeschooled and grew up with her grandma. Um, then you have Esther, who is this kind of crazy goth um, nerd, but glamorous and and all kind of exciting and dangerous, but riddled with insecurities. And then you've also got uh, Susan, who's this med student, and she's kind of full of rage and anger, and she's the kind of, she thinks she's the bitter, angry one of the group, and but actually she's not. She's got this kind of heart and emotional depth to her, and, and Daisy, you think, is just this, you know, cliched, um, one-note character, but she's just this really complex and interesting character. And same with Esty, you think, oh, she's just this, you know, cool, pretty girl, but actually she's not. She's, you know, she's part of in the in the, one of the early issues. She's she's part of this clique of cool girls who who come from all the cool schools, but she rebels against them because she doesn't want to be part of that group. Um, and but then perhaps the best the supporting characters and so actually you know john john writes these amazing female characters who are you know who are the kind of people that you would actually want to spend time with and you actually you think you transpose and think oh maybe those are like the people i went to university with and you're like no they're nothing like the people i want to go to university with they're the people i'd like to go to university with (laughs) but they're nothing like the people i went to university with um but then the guys who come up and they're kind of the guys are sort of the support characters which is an interesting dynamic to have 
Um, and then there's one character called Ed Gemmel, who's who's in love with Esther, um, but is a kind of unrequited. And he's that everyman geek um, that every sort of comic geek can identify with, you know, the one who's who's kind of in love with, you know, this glamorous, unattainable character. But he's not in this kind of like sad and pathetic kind of way. Um, and then you've got um, McGraw, who um, ends up being Susan's boyfriend. Um, and he's this kind of, he's a bit, he's, he's like a kind of outdoorsy, practical, he's sort of a bit hipster, but he's, he, he'll make a set of shelves out of nothing. And he's all very practical and hands-on. And this complete contrast to these kind of neurotic and emotional messes that are the girls. Um, and it's just a really fascinating book. And the dialogue is, you know, on point. And John has this amazing kind of way with words. And a bit like we were saying with Mark Miller, he's he's got this voice and his, the way that his, he constructs sentences and the way that his characters talk. It's both very natural but incredibly staged. It's quite Joss Whedon-esque. You know like how Joss Whedon has that kind of patter to his characters? Right. Um and you kind of identify, you can, you can spot Joss Whedon dialogue in, you know, Avengers and in Justice, Justice League <laughs> and in Toy Story <clears throat> or in Firefly. And it's just, it's got that fizz to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, Giant Days has the same thing. And I think it's, it's one of those ones where it could be, as you say, a sitcom or a Netflix series, but it just works brilliantly as a comic because you've got these overarching stories which tie through and these characters, um, but also these kind of, uniquely zany and wacky moments um and so it's it's brilliantly readable and just yeah utter perfection amazing great recommendation <clears throat> for for giant days yeah um and so <clears throat> we come to our our last question um of uh, of the comics mm. and uh so out of those uh those seven comic choices which comic would you take if you could only take one well it's got to be giant days bingo yeah i mean i thought about it i thought oh maybe i'll just take powers or maybe again maybe i'll just be happy with the spider spidey or something like that but no mm. um yes yeah, it's got to be giant days because again okay. so i was thinking about this again objectively like it's, it's quite a, a good run to it now there's about you know 40 odd issues so that's a big chunky lot of stuff to read so um and I think there's probably enough in there to keep it, keep you kind of rereading it again and again and again. Um, and just, just something positive and happy and upbeat and something to, you know, if the world is exploding around you, that actually it would be quite nice to have a kind of a happy and, and positive book to read to kind of cheer you up. Too right, too right. Um, and so you've got your your volume of, uh, <laughs> or compendium yeah really um of uh of giant days um and uh now you've got to choose a, a weapon tool or useful item so again i was i was, I was struggling this and my own my own uh natural pessimism of the world and thought well again i'm, I'm not really i could say oh I'd, I'd quite like a shotgun or a baseball bat or something mm-hmm. to defend myself with um, but really, that's just that's just not who I am. So I was thinking, really, if, if I had to choose thing, if I'm up in a in a shack in the middle of nowhere, I'd just be quite happy with a kettle and a cup of tea. So, um, and I suppose <laughs> exactly. And then I've got boiling water, which I could potentially use as a weapon if needs be. Yes, um, of course. Or also for my whole kind of positive, can't we all just get along? Let's all just have sit and have a cup of tea and get on, and it'll all be good. Fantastic! It's like um, <clears throat> I think it is it in Shaun of the Dead that somebody says, oh, "I'll put the kettle on." Yeah, um, it's like there's zombies outside. Exactly. Put well, the kettle on. Well, that, that is that is the Great British reaction to any kind of moment of peril. It's just like, oh, that's, exactly. let's just just put the kettle on, sit down, <laughs> have a little think about what's going on, and um, yeah, karma heads will prevail. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Alex Thomas, thank you so much. For, uh, for sharing your comic choices, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to to kind of hear uh, your genesis into uh, into comics and the, your insights into um, all of these different comics. So thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for uh, letting me to come on and drone on about comics. We do. <laughs>
<laughs> absolutely love it um and for, for for the listeners one more time um where where can they find you on the interwebs uh so the website is pipe Chain comics which is www.pipechaincomics.co.uk uh follow me on twitter at pipe Chain comics there's a facebook page which is facebook.com slash pipe comics um i think i'm on instagram at pipe Chain comics or just any kind of searching for the word pipe dream or one word and comics will probably turn something up good or bad fantastic and then do you have anything else kind of coming up this year at all apart from um kind of your regular reviews and and articles on pipe dream comics as well as the pull list of course um well the pull list is kind of having a little bit of a hiatus at the moment um as i say i'm kind of writing for comic scene at the moment so i've kind of that's put a lot of what sort of my other other time into at the moment so because i think that's a really great a great project so um it's a um i I think it's monthly now um but it's just gone into news agents around the country um since smith's it's just starting to go into supermarkets um it's been a long time since there's been a comics focused magazine on the newsstands there's been ones that have tried but not really kind of managed to catch and certainly not once with a kind of a british and an indie focus so um i think what they're doing is a really great uh a great effort to try and try and change this and i think they're doing a great job so anything i can do to kind of help them out with that um is kind of where quite a bit of my attention is going and otherwise it's just um putting together the site um and picking up the best new comics and making sure that I don't miss anything. So if anyone out there has a comic which they want to to send in, um, email pipedreamcomicsuk at gmail.com, DM me on Twitter, send me links to stuff, check out, see what you like, see what you don't like. Um, I've got a guide to how to submit indie comics for reviews on the site. Um, you can get some some tips from there. Um, I've got articles about how to run a Kickstarter and things like that. So I'm going to try and do a bit more things like that. So... Um, try and try and spread the love and spread the knowledge and i just started doing a thing on uh twitter on fridays called uh discover indie, indie comics day um which is kind of just a hashtag to kind of get people talking about comics and kickstarters and and all sorts of things like that so maybe have a look at that as well fantastic you're an absolute champion for for indie comics alex and um, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today thank you it's great to speak to you too fantastic uh, well i hope to to see you again at, at true believers 20 uh 2020 2020 or some <laughs> like some that. other comic conventions in the not yeah. too distant future i hope as well oh, yes yeah i hope so i hope so fantastic i uh, will take care and uh, i'll see you soon cheers thanks Sam. bye, bye. thanks again to alex for being on comics for the apocalypse it was incredibly insightful if you enjoyed the show today Please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Alex's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.